Thank you again, eh? Your patience and just your sitting here for hours. I've just given you a handout. It's a very brief summary of what I've been through. Very, very brief. It's just a reminder of that that's all. Have we got here at the back? Oh, you got? Okay. Everybody got? Take us two minutes to go through it. There's a war. We have an enemy. It's very brief. Sorry, the, the copying is not good. The enemy is bent to kill, steal, and destroy, to steal truth, to kill the life of God, to destroy people's lives. When you become a Christian, you list in a war, you might know it, but you do. The demonic is more subtle in America, but it's present. Trust me. doesn't need a visa to get you. It's here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we need to become aware of the enemy, but our focus needs to be Jesus. We just need to understand something of the enemy so we know what to do. And then I've listed some scriptures. Be aware, expose the deeds of darkness, stand against the evil devil schemes. Uh, Ephesians 4.26, do not, in your anger, do not give the devil a foothold. That's what it actually says. It's interesting that scripture says that. In your anger, do not give. In other words, there are times we do get angry. But it's how you deal with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But don't give him a foothold in your anger. In other words, don't remain there. Don't let bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment enter. That's James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will, I put wall in big letters, to Timothy, be enlightened as to escape the traps of the devil, to Corinthians, be aware of the devil's schemes, to Corinthians, is darkened the minds, should be of unbelievers, therefore bring light. So we must expose these schemes, the battle is won, Christ is not struggling to win the battle, it is won, and then I gave you some scriptures, very brief. Okay, so we'll give some more out. Now, I need you to turn to a scripture, please. Ephesians. Now I want to talk about us as believers, quickly. Ephesians chapter 1, and then we'll give more handouts. And we're going to work from them. There are many places in scripture where this truth we're going to look at now, but Ephesians is a real book that really... In the book of Ephesians, this is an amazing book, not that the others aren't. Um, because Paul takes the first three chapters of Ephesians to tell us who we are in Christ, our position and our possessions in Christ. That's in the first three chapters. And he uses the phrase in Christ numerous times. I don't know how many times in Ephesians. I think it's, I don't know, maybe a hundred times. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So the first three chapters of who we are in Christ, our position and our possessions. The next three chapters, four, five, and six, how we work it out, how we walk it out. That's why in Ephesians chapter four, he starts like this. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, therefore I urge you to live a life now. Now he's saying, now this is how you live it out. You with me? And then he explains about the gifts the church has. And then he explains about we live as children of light, be imitators of God, and explains how to do that. And then he explains about uh, wives and husbands, very key, because it's a key relationship. That's like the church and the body, and uh, that's why it's such a key relationship, husbands and wives. And my wife knows how to push my buttons, I know how to push her buttons. If you've been married for a length of time, you know that. And so it's a good place to work it out and work these things out. Are you with me? Then he explains about... Children and parents, very interesting. And it's a bad translation, slaves and masters. He's actually talking about employee employees in that sense. How you work this out, when people work for you, and how to look after them, and 
and you work work to them as unto the Lord, but then you must obey them. But people that you employ, look after them, you know, give them the proper due. And you're with me. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying there. Okay. Then, finally, he says, now, the armor of God. And you're right at the end. Because if we don't get some of the other things right, how can we stand against the evil one? Interesting. He puts it right at the end. He doesn't put it in the beginning. You with me? It's very key. Because it works out in the house. It works out in the family. It works out in relationships. It works out in parenting. It works out in workplace. That's why he's saying that. So if I'm going, if I'm employed somewhere, but I'm cursing my boss out all the time, I'm never obedient, I'm always late, mm-hmm. I don't respect him, then when the evil one comes against me, how do I stand against him? Because I've just given him a legal right to come against me. Because mm-hmm. the way I'm treating somebody else. That's good, you with me? Mm-hmm. That's what's right at the end. And then he says, you know, the scripture, and we're not going to, we're actually going to go to Ephesians 1. So he says, finally, verse 10, 16, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That literally translated is this. I like this guy's translated. God's eternal purpose for every believer is Christ-likeness. Our purpose is not to fight for victory. Our Lord has already won the decisive battle of Calvary. We fight from his victory. We're yet to enforce the victory of the Lord. The scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The one I just read you explains the verb, be strong means this. Literally, properly translated means this. It would be better to go on being strengthened. It is not the believer flexing his spiritual muscle. It's a receiving and appropriate God's strength. That's what it actually means. So you're just standing strong in God's power, God's strength. Who you are in Christ. You with me? That's what he's saying. But then I've got to learn to treat my wife right. That's why spiritual warfare is even in the home. Because if the devil can divide, as I said, Michelle and I, then our focus is here and not on what God's called us to do. That's why it starts. Your fight, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities in heavenly places. We're going to discuss that now. That's where your battle actually is. And the more we realize that, it's a while. I mean, we just got to realize it. All right. My wife and I just had a disagreement, a violent one. I'm not violent in terms of an intense one. All right. Then, me, Lord, what do I need to do? You know, it's interesting. Whenever my wife and I disagree and I've taken it to the Lord, not once has he been on my side. You know what he says to me? Ken, how's your heart? How's your heart? In other words, how are you dealing with this? Be humble. Apologize. (laughs) It's not so easy to go to your wife and say, listen, sorry, I blew it. But then the peace of God comes back. And when the peace of God, the Bible says in Colossians 3.15, the peace of God is like an umpire inside me. You know what I'm talking about? And when you feel that peace of God, you feel rock solid. And that's what this scripture is about. You with me? Okay, so now, Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, there I went. Trying to heed what this man says. I say <laughs> one light sentences. And... Alright, very key piece of scripture. Ephesians 1. If ever you're struggling with your identity, or your purpose, or you're struggling with 
Um, just know that you're loved and accepted. Read Ephesians 1. Personalize it to yourself. Where it says, for he has chosen us. Put your word, for he has chosen Ken. Personalize it, Ephesians chapter 1. It's a wonderful piece. I encourage you to memorize as much as you can. Then in verse 15, Paul says, Now, because of who you are in Christ, I'm praying that you would continue to get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Because revelation continues to change me. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I think I taught on this. I was here last time. That you would know the hope to which He's called you. You would know His glorious inheritance in the saints. And you would know the incomparable power that is within you. That same power exerted when He raised Christ from the dead. That you would know it. It's within you. You're with me. Then chapter 2. This is where I want to go. As for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Okay, we were all there one stage. That's why Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Because we were dead in our sin. We didn't realize it, but we were. Okay. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. It's amazing that he says that. So the influence the evil one had over you, you were submissive and obedient to that. You didn't know it. I was before I got saved because I was darkened. You know what I'm talking about. You did things you didn't really want to do. You knew you shouldn't do, but you did them. Am I the only one that lived like that before I got saved? Okay. Amen. Because we had a sinful nature inside of us. Okay? All right. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, this is where the good news comes. Because of his great love for us, God made, according to his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Let me stop there. How rich is God? How rich is God? We have no clue how rich he is. He's incredible. The Bible says he's rich in mercy. Think how much rich that is. How much mercy that is. He's rich in mercy. You're not just... Because of God's mercy. No, because He's rich in mercy. He made us alive. So the first thing that happened to you and me, you were made alive. You were born again. You were given a new spirit. You came alive inside. How many of you have experienced that? When you go and become a Christian. You were born again. You were made alive. Life came into you. You understand? You know what I'm talking about. You were made alive. You didn't leave it there. You were made alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. And then the verse 6 says, and God raised us up. So you weren't only made us alive, but he raised you up in Christ. And he didn't only raise us up, he seated us with him in heavenly places. So where is Jesus seated right now? In heavenly places, yes? Has you all control, all authority, all dominion, all power? Is everything submitted to Jesus? Yes or no? Yes. Are you sure? You all look at me like I'm... Yes, it is, because the Bible says that. You go back to verse 1, it says, verse 20, which exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly... 
far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every title they've been given. Not only the present age, but the age to come. Mm. So it's above all things. And you and I are seated there, people. That's what the Bible says to me. He seated you with him there. Yes. Hello. Yes. You seated there. You live here, but you seated there. Now, why is this so key and crucial to understand? Because it's from that place that we exercise spiritual warfare. It's not from this place down here. From that place of all dominion, all authority, and all power. Not just as we choose, as he directs. Understanding the work of the evil one is destroyed. And understanding the word that gives us the confidence to be able to do certain things. You'll lay your hands on the sick and they'll get better. You'll cast out demons. So we have given that authority to do. Why? Because we're seated in heavenly realms. Amen. I've been given it. I don't have to ask for it. I've been given it. <laughs> Are you with me, everybody? You're all going quiet to me. I'm wondering if you're still with me. Okay. All right. So now we're really going to understand some things. Okay. So let's. So therefore, we need to understand the heavenly realm. Can I yes, I'll pass some this side and some this side. Thank you, my friend. All right, just give me one if there's a spare one, just so I can... Thank you. All right. This is a particular key, um, I don't know, overhead or what you want to call it. Okay, before you look at it and before we discuss it, just got to re- look here. <laughs> twice in scripture, Jesus mentioned the word church, only twice in all of his teachings, only twice. And those two times, he spoke about this. Once in Matthew 16, and we can turn to it. Matthew 16 is where Jesus said, who do people say I am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah. Then he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter had the revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the Most High God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Matthew 16, 18. Then Jesus said, Peter, you did not know this by yourself. My Father gave this to you. It's a revelation. And on this revelation, on this rock of revelation, I will build my church. That I'm the Christ. And the gates, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, that's what he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So immediately he takes that revelation and he goes into warfare with it. Isn't it interesting? Then he says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then in Matthew 18, jumping ahead, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And he says, when your brother sins, verse 15, I think it is. Aaron's just checking it out, just see if I get it wrong. When your brother sins against you, you've got to go to him and reconcile him, paraphrasing it. If he won't, then get somebody else. And if he won't, then tell it to the church. Because, then he said, because whatever you bind on earth, he's talking about church, and he says, because I will build my church. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. 
So twice he mentions the word church, and twice straight after he mentioned that scripture. The only time in all the time he was on earth. So it's key. The first time is for universal church. It's for our understanding of who we are in Christ. The second time is our relationships amongst us. He's saying if this relationship is not right and you don't work this stuff out here, because that's what he's talking about, forgiveness and walking together, how can you stand against the evil one? Because you're giving him a legal right to come and attack you. That's why he's saying walk in forgiveness. Then whatever you bind on earth will be bound on him, whatever you lose. That's how key forgiveness is. That's absolutely vital. That's why we can't walk around with offenses. I'm encouraging you strongly as I can. Please get over your offenses, particularly as a young church. You might not like what the other person does. That's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, 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 you know what I mean? It's okay. It's not, if it's not a simple issue, then it's, or you might not like the way they dress or whatever, or the team they support, it's okay. Have fun with one another. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to learn to walk in forgiveness. And I can assure you, as sure as God made little green apples on this earth, <laughs> you will be offended by one another. And it's not a time for you to hold on to it. It's a time for you to exercise forgiveness. Because as you're about to grow into the things of God, some offenses will come your way, and it's like a testing ground to see what you're going to do with it. If I hold on to it, it diminishes the life of God. If I learn to release it and forgive, you just go to the next level in God. It's very good. You with me? That's what happens. That's why forgiveness is so powerful. Because it helps us in spiritual warfare. Now, what is the term you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven? Okay, this, sorry, this heading, this thing, yeah. Okay. So, there are three heavens. So the Bible says, the Bible says God in Genesis, God created the heavens, not heaven, heavens. Mm. Paul says, I was taken 2 Corinthians 12, sorry, 8, 10, somewhere around about there, I was taken to the third heaven. So there's three heavens, okay? The third heaven is the habitation of God. It's where God is enthroned. It's where angels minister constantly, just doing the will of God. You with me? It's where we're seated with Christ. There. Because that's what the Bible said. That's why I read you that. We're seated in heavenly places. That's where you're seated as a believer. Amen. Hello. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that good news? Yes. Alright. We just got to believe it. That's the issue. Okay. It's where the will of God is never challenged. You don't get an angel when the Lord calls an angel. Does, sends him on an errand. Don't get the angel saying, oh no, I've had a bad day. I'm not doing that today. No, never challenged. <laughs> not happening. Yeah, it's not happening today. It's my day off. <laughs> okay. The second heaven is where the evil one roams around. It's literally just above the surface of this earth. Where he roams around like a roaring. That's where the spiritual battle takes place. That's where the intensity of it, which we cannot see with our natural eye, but it's there. It's taking place. It's where the kingdoms of this world that we spoke about in scripture are this there's, there's an influence, there's a direct influence bearing on the world from that place. You with me? It's where the will of God is always resisted. How do I know this? Now I'm going to go back. Sorry, if I'm praying a lot, you forgive me. Then I ask, go back to Daniel. The Old Testament gives us glimpses into the unseen realm. 
the book of Isaiah and the book of Daniel particularly, the book of Isaiah, often at times it's difficult to understand when you read it, because sometimes Isaiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel, mm. sometimes he's prophesying the first coming of Christ, and sometimes he's prophesying the second coming of Christ, because yeah. he saw these mountaintops of what God was doing. Mm. And sometimes he speaks to a physical king, and sometimes he's speaking to a principality. That's what he does. You'll read it. Now, the book of Daniel... Daniel 9 and 10 gives us incredible insight. Daniel decided to humble himself and fast and pray. You know what I'm talking about? Before the Lord. That's what he did. Three weeks, 21 days, an angel comes to him and says, Daniel, from the first day, day one, you set your heart and mind to humble yourself before the Lord. I was sent to you. But the king of Persia stopped me. Now, it wasn't a physical king. It was a principality, yeah. The king of Persia, it was a principality. It stopped me. That's what it says. So I went back and got reinforcements, and I got the archangel Michael to come and help. And there was a spiritual warfare that took place. You might not have been aware of it. You're busy on earth praying, but there's a spiritual battle happening above you. Every time you pray, that's what happens above you. Then you wonder why your prayers are answered. But they're coming. They're coming. They come in. Every time you seek the Lord, you incite the spiritual battle. Think about that. Sometimes you're not aware of it. Sometimes you are. Every time you praise and worship, something happens there. Every single time. That's why it's so powerful. Because they're weapons of warfare. You with me? That's why sometimes prayer takes a little while. Not because God is weak. It's because there's a battle going on. And what it does more than it prepares my heart to receive the answer. It gives my big capacity, stamina, endurance, humility. That's what it does. To receive the answer of what he's going to do. Now I'm ready to receive it, to walk into it. Because if I receive too much from God too soon, I will destroy what God is doing. You will, what you build under the anointing of the gifting, we will destroy with lack of character. That's what character, God hones our character and he spends time on that. And it's fine, you're with me, because he loves us. Okay, So that's where it takes place. Then the first heaven is where we live. It's habitation of man, the kingdom of this world. It's where angels serving God minister here. It's where angels serving Satan minister here as well. Now, the kingdom is within you. Luke 10. No, that's a lie. Luke 17, 20. Where people came to Jesus and said, keep talking about the kingdom. Where is this kingdom of God? So Jesus said, you can't go there and look for it. You can't go there and look for it. You can read it. Luke 17, 20. Am I right? Sorry, he's just checking up for me. I now have a question by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God is It's coming. It's, it's, oh, it's okay. Luke 17, 20. Then Jesus said, you can't go there, look, no, no, because the kingdom of God is within you. So you have the kingdom within you, but you're seated at heavenly places. So you have part of this inside of you, yeah. Hello, are you with me? But you're seated there. But our body is, yeah. And I've got to live, yeah. And I've got to relate, yeah. And I've got to work, yeah. Are you with me? Okay, so it's very key. But my identity is, yeah. That's the key. This is who I really am. Identity. I'm loved. I'm received. But I work, yeah. 
So don't let what's happening here shape who I am. Let what's happening here shape who I am. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So what he's saying, whatever you bind here, the literal translation is, would have already have been bound in heaven. This heaven abound the work of the evil one. So whatever you bind here, binding the work of the evil one, are bound here already. It's already been done. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been be loosed in heaven, the kingdom of God coming down. Wow. That's why it's so key. Yes. You with me? Mm-hmm. That's what it literally what it means. Helps us think differently, doesn't it? Okay. So, I know I'm seated in heavenly places. When I say I know, I mean I'm going to Revelation. And Jesus is giving me authority to pray for the sick and cast out demons and to proclaim the kingdom of God and to bring healing and restoration. He's told me that that's what we've got to do. So now... That's what I bring. So I'm bringing the love, the joy, the peace down here. Yeah. Okay, that's what he said. I can loose. Whatever's been loosed in heaven, I can loose here. So yeah. that's why I can go in authority. I don't have to ask for it. I've been given it. Go and do it. Good. And as you do that, you're going to let people be loosed from the dominion of darkness that are bound by this heaven. Mm-hmm. Hello, you with me? This is, you're saying they're bound in this heaven, then why yeah. are they still bound on earth? Because they haven't come to see the truth yet. Mm-hmm. So they're still being exercised from this heaven. Unbelievers, and even some Christians, we believe in lies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, I've overcome the devil. I've overcome all his work here. Therefore, let the truth break through okay. of who I am and what I've done in reality here on earth. Because I've already said. done it here. Yeah. So when you said repent and believe. Yes, repent and believe. That's the whole thing, that the kingdom of God has come. Yeah. So your next thing is the way you think is very important. Okay, so now I'm going to give you another piece of... Are you with me? Any more questions? Please, I understand. I did this in another church. I think we spent an hour and a half on that. Anyway, it is confusing a bit. Yeah, it is. You've got to get into it. You've got to think it through. Go reread. Read the Amplified Version of those two scriptures. It helps you understand it better. The Amplified Version. Of Matthew 16 Matthew and 18. 16 and 18. It'll help you understand it better. Okay. I wrote it on you. I wrote it on the bottom. It says here, I give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and lawful on earth, this heaven, has already been bound in heaven, this heaven, okay. and whatever you loose, permit, Declare lawful on earth, yeah, has already been loosened from yeah. Come down yeah. Huh. That's how the amplifier puts it. Okay. So let's deal with your thought life. So it's some more overheads or transparencies. I don't know what you call these things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they were once Yeah, they once were called that, yeah. Photocopies, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Can 
this place. Actually, I'll go one year, but it's fine. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm going to read this out, not preach on it, so I'm just going to read this page to give us an understanding. Okay. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is what it says. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know the scripture? Mm -hmm. He's looking at it. Okay. All right. Then you will know the pleasing, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Okay. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't let the pattern of this world dictate to you how you should think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a key scripture. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6, Paul says this, Although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. On the contrary, we have divine weapons to destroy strongholds and every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. That's what it says. So what is Paul saying there? We have spiritual weapons to take hold of the thought processes that go through our mind that are contrary to who God is and His will. And where are those thought patterns and the strongholds? Yeah, we pull them down. That's what he says. So, let me use an example in both those. If I said to you, think of a little pink mouse or a little white mouse with pink ears and a pink tail and it's running across the wooden floorboard. Then I said to you, now think of an elephant with its trunk, a big gray elephant going through the under, in the bush and running through with trunk and tusks. What happened to the little white mice when you thought of the elephant? It disappeared. Why? Because you gave your thought process to something else. When the thoughts come into your mind... And they can come from you, they can come from God, or they can come from the evil one, or they can even come from the world, the world systems. Yeah. We have a choice what we're going to do with it. Yeah. If I give it thought and process and think about it again and again and again, then it can, can take hold of me. You with me? Yes. So we've got to learn to recognize what thoughts I allow to rest there and what thoughts I don't allow to rest there. Yeah. That's the key. That's why we use the terminology, take your thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. The thought is not the problem. Because you're going to get temptations in the mind. Mm -hmm. you're going to, that's, you haven't done anything yet. It wasn't you. The evil one so put it there. Yeah. It's what you do with it. Yeah. We condemn ourselves when we think like that. No. Yeah. But the more we renew our mind, the more we resist those quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. You learn to recognize them, so you resist them quicker. Yes. And that's the battle. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Right, so that's what this is about. So, let me just read this. The mind is the greatest battlefield. Until your thought process is brought into obedience to Christ, there can be no peace. Watch Mani said this. The devil abhors light and truth because they remove the ground of his hidden work. Every word of truth has to be fought for in the believer's mind. The mind is a battleground because it is the focus of attack from demonic spirits. It is vulnerable to oppression. The mind is a receiver. Therefore, be aware of what you see and hear. That's why be very careful what you watch and listen to. Because your eyes and your ears are a gateway to your mind. That's why when, we, when I got saved and my kids were growing up, we were very particular about what they watched. 
Not because we want to control them, because we want to protect them. Because garbage in, garbage out. That's what happens. Amen. So my wife and I have a, uh, a pact that we don't watch certain movies just because, even though I enjoy movies, I really do. I find them very relaxing. Just because of some of the junk that comes through there. So we're particular about what we watch. We got it. We really do. Certain music we won't listen to. I just won't. I just will not. I mean, I can mention names, but I'm not, if you want me to, I can. But it's just because of just the spirit from where it comes is not right. Yeah. It can be great music, but the spirit from where it comes is not right. Yeah. And that's the choice we've got to make. Everyone's different. You can't put, I can't put that on other people. You've got to decide for yourselves. Are you with yes. me? Yes. The mind, therefore, the two main means of communication to your mind are through your eyes and your ears. Since God first spoke to Adam and Eve, there has been a constant battle over who would control the thought process of man's mind. Let me ask you a question. How did Adam and Eve get deceived? So we come into an end. They listened to, they listened to the lie. That's all they did. Did God really say? Just, just a question. Did God really say? What the devil said to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Uh, she probably thought about it. I wonder, did God really say that? Did he really say it? Uh, I'm not so sure now. That's what started the process. Yeah. It's starting in the mind. Okay, so until we have victory in the mind, we will struggle to have victory in our spiritual walk. Watchman he said, It is possible for a child of God to have a new life and a new heart, but be without a new head. Yeah. And I've got an example of Saul. King Saul, his thought life destroyed him. That's, that's what destroyed Saul, his thought life. The Bible says he thought about this about David. He thought that about David. And then became jealous. Then he tried to kill him. Then he tried to kill his own family. It was just one step down to the next, down to the next, yeah. down to the next. All right, so this is this. So a thought comes in, either from the flesh, the world, or evil. That's demonic spirits. And I give him the scriptures. Now I have a choice. What do I do with the thought? I can choose to accept it, or I can choose... To let it just pass right through me and not worry about it. Yes. Alright? So, a thought comes in. Sorry, sir, what is your name again? I forgot. Toby. Toby. So, a thought comes to Toby. Sorry, sir, man, what is your name? Diamond. Diamond. So, I'm going to use that as an example because you're sitting there. So, a thought comes to Toby because his wife said something or did something. He misread it and a thought comes in. Gee, I wonder if he really loves me anymore. Now he's got a choice what he's going to do with that thought. <laughs> then he thinks, actually, I don't think she really does. Because look at this and look at this. And then we find things, actually, and we read mistruths into them. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. She didn't greet me properly this morning. Um, meanwhile, she might be having a struggling day. Yeah. Then we read into things. That's what happens. Yes. And then next thing, his attitude towards her from him changes. Yeah. And then she says, why is he treating me like this? What did I do? You all understand who's yeah. been married. <laughs> what did I do? Oh, if he wants to treat me like that, that's fine. I'll treat him like that as well. Hello? Yeah. And then one sleeps on this side of the bed, and one sleeps on this side of the bed, and you don't touch one another, and you know what I mean. Yeah. But it just came to one thought. Yeah. That's true. And then the devil's climbed on the bandwagon. 
So that choice, then if we keep choosing the same thing again and again, it becomes a habit. And then it's easier. It just becomes a habit. you know what I mean? Habit takes about, the Bible says about, well, not the Bible, people say about 21 days to form a habit. I don't know if I'm right or wrong in that, but they say about 21 days. Okay, you form a habit. Yeah, thought pattern. It's just recurring, recurring, recurring. It comes in. So something happens. Um, say I struggle with fear. And something happens, a fear of thought comes in me. But because it's a pattern in my life, it's quite intense now. It's strong. So when it becomes a habit, I lose control in that area of my life. That's what I do. I'm fearful in that area of my life. I can still work. I can still think. I can still go to church. I can still worship the Lord. God still uses me. But there's an area of my life all of a sudden that I've lost control of. Because there's a hold there. It's called a stronghold. So the Bible says there's a stronghold. Amen? Okay? When that happens, I get into bondage in that area. And I don't like the bondage. So now I've got to try and get out of it. And if I don't do it the way the Lord wants me to, I look to other means. Alcohol, drugs, whatever. Pornography, whatever it is. To try and release the tension of that bondage in us. That's what people do, unfortunately. And normally that's not the issue. It's the underlying thing that's the issue. Most alcoholism is because there's an underlying issue of rejection or pain or hurt. Deal with that and the alcohol will go. Okay. Then that's when demons come in, even in a Christian life. That's when they'll come and enter into a Christian's life. Now we have a personality that lives inside of us. It's a squatter. It's illegal. It shouldn't be there. Are you with me? That's where the casting of our demons comes. That's why spiritual warfare is sometimes that and renewing the mind. They go together. You can't have one without the other. Does this all make sense? Yes. Oh, it's key. I encourage you, watch your thought life. So you can see what happens there. That's why the Bible says, think on things which are good. And that's why the Bible says, think, Colossians 3, verse 1, set your heart on things above, set your mind on things above. Yes, that's why Paul keeps saying that. Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is profitable, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is beneficial, think on these things. That's why he writes that. Amen. Because when you got born again, you didn't get a new way of thinking. So some Christians can be born again, love the Lord, but they think old. They think like they used to think. Like they were still in bondage. So that's how they live, unfortunately. Yet they love the Lord, but they're not free. You're with me. We're going to help people with this. Yes. Through grace and love. And don't tell them they're bound by the devil, please. Okay. Just love and grace <laughs> and mercy. Okay. Yeah, no, I see the devil on your shoulder. That doesn't help. No, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I making is it making sense? Yes. Yeah. All right. Now now we're really into spiritual warfare. Yes. You can see that. In your own personal life, in your family, in your marriage. In you, because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Learning how to just decide what's coming into my brain. Yes. Doesn't mean every thought that comes in. If you're an analytical guy, you're going to think analytically. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. You need it for your job or whatever. Mm-hmm. See, there's no harm in that. It's constructive. You're doing something. It's beneficial. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always have to have a spiritual connotation to it. 
Am I making sense? All right, what is the time? We're coming to an end. All right. Last piece of thing. And just, sorry, and this, this is just some scriptures. Oh, thank you. We'll go through this very quickly. So I should get this all better. I'm a little disorganized, I know. Oh, it's just the way I am. I operate a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You take that thought out of your mind. Right yeah, now. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. He's learning. <laughs> so now understand, folks, when you get people coming to your church on Sunday, they just sometimes don't understand or they just don't. So we just got to love them and walk with them and Good. help them yes. in the space that God wants us to go. You can understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's good. And getting to treat them, to teach, to think differently. That's, the only way you do that is by putting truth in them. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said, you'll know the truth, then the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. That's what that scripture means. Yes. If you know the truth, then the truth will set you free because it replaces lies. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Replaces lies. Mm-hmm. The two biggest things are insecurity, rejection, and fear. Yeah. People st- and shame. Shame and guilt. Those are the three things people struggle with more than anything else. It's the underlying issue of most problems. Rejection, or feeling rejected, or were rejected. Guilt, which is associated with shame. And insecurity. You can trace back a lot of stuff to one of those three. And what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve fell? What three things happened in the garden? The Bible says they were afraid, they were ashamed, and they were guilty. They felt guilty. That's where it started, right there. Ha, those three things. Okay, so now this is our attitude towards God. I enlisted two, but you can find many more. This is our, our position who we are in Christ, and I've listed one, but I'm going to list some more out of Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 1. I should list a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I did this rather quickly. And then the last, what I want to refer, is the advancement. You see, it's a whole part of script. We advance in the kingdom. We gain forward. The gates of hell will not prevail. It doesn't mean I'm standing in a fortress trusting the gates of hell is not going to knock down the fortress. No, no, no. I'm going against that way. I'm invading darkness. I'm pushing back lies. I'm pushing, but you're only with me. Yeah. yeah, it's an advancement. The kingdom of God is advancing, the Bible says, and forceful men lay hold of the kingdom. Matthew 11, 11. It means mm-hmm. you've got to have a little bit of oomph inside you. Yes. Passivity won't help. Mm-hmm. Good. Got a little bit of Very oomph good. inside you. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, John G. Lake called it a strong man's gospel. Catherine Coleman said you've got to have some gumption in you. Yeah, gumption, I like it. You've got to have some gumption in you. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't know why, but I feel like we've feminized Christianity. Mm-hmm. We've taken away the, the oomph of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a touchy-feely thing. Mm-hmm. And there is touchy-feely about it, but if you've missed the whole, the line of Judah, mm-hmm. you missed the... Mm-hmm. And then we just lean on the touchy, and when it doesn't feel touchy or feely, then we don't want it. No, no, no. Sometimes it's none. It's just you will 
When my kids backslid, and some of you know the story, I'm not going down there, I walked into the bedroom every single night, literally, when they were not there, and I walked in that room, and I said, Devil, these kids do not belong to you. They belong to Jesus first, and he gave them to us for this season. I'm telling you now, hands off. That's how I declare. That's how I walk. When we bought our house in, in West Virginia six months ago, I know where my wife was out because I like it to be loud. I walked through this house and I said, this house, devil, belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you now, I'm giving you notice, you're not welcome in this place. That's how I speak. You will not come in this house. This house God gave us and he's the king of this house. You're not welcome. I don't want you. I banish you from this place. You have to do that, people. You don't say, please go. Jesus said you drive demons out. You don't ask them to go. You drive them out. It's a forceful word. Men, I'm encouraging you. Take authority in your household. You don't have to be this strong, dynamic person, but inside in your spirit, man, that's what I'm talking about. Take authority in your household. I walked around my house. I said, devil, you're not welcome here. I'm telling you now, you're not, you're not coming here. That's literally how I speak. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Yeah, he knows. That's why you never be afraid of him. Never. Don't diminish him because the Bible says we shouldn't do that. But don't be afraid of him. He is defeated, people. He's defeated. Look when Jesus walked on the face of the earth when he counted somebody that had the demonic inside them. They begged Jesus for mercy. Have you come to destroy us? Please, please, please. Read Mark chapter 5. They begged him. The Bible says they pleaded. Please, please don't hurt us. Please don't hurt us. That's the devil. Begging like that. Stand up with the authority of Christ in you. Amen. 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 You got kids. You just have a child. You just had a child. You fight for them. Devil, this child belongs to us. Jesus Christ gave us this child. Hands off. Hands off. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's why I'm encouraging you. Now you doing Are you all right? Yeah, I'm just. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, thought, I didn't know if you were. Uh, maybe you had. Um, what is it? Hay fever or something. So, you know, so, that's why I asked if you're all right. No. Okay. They always cry unless it's. No, that's okay. You that's know okay. that. Yeah, no, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Vanessa. You, you, um, you really encouraged me. So that's fine. All right, so I hope this has been helpful. Yes. yes. Okay. I know it may be something we learn to walk in and a process. Understand you, it's a process. Don't expect to be here, but we've got some truth now to stand on. That's why I sentimented a lot in the Word. You can stand on this truth, get it in you, read it and read it, get it in you, and you'll find what happens inside you. The spirit man literally starts to come up. Strengthen. That's what it means. You get strengthened in God. It literally gets stronger in you. Mm-hmm. And you learn to recognize things quicker. You learn to discern things quicker. You learn to become aware of things quicker. Yes. So even to, uh, tomorrow morning, I'm giving away some of my secrets. When I walk in the room, first thing I do as I walk in that room tomorrow morning, where we're inside of me, I'm telling the devil, you don't belong here now. Straight away, I tell him, I say this, we're going to worship the Lord. He said, you know, welcome you. Yeah. Leave this place, leave these people. You will not hinder these people. I walk 
walk around doing that for a while. That's <laughs> what I do. Everywhere I go. Amen. And then God begins to minister to people. It's yes. like you get rid of the blockages. You know yes. what I mean? Okay. I'll end with this and then if there's questions and then we'll do some ministry. Okay. This is, I don't know where I got it from, to be honest. It's not mine, I got it from somewhere else. <clears throat> this is what the evil one saw when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected again and when he breathed life into people to forgive them. This is what he saw from his perspective. He saw men and women recreated. He saw them receive eternal life. He saw their sins removed and blotted out as they had never existed. He saw the power that cast him out of heaven enter man through the Holy Spirit. He became aware that the new created people are his, are his masters and they've been given authority to use the name of Jesus. He saw these people begin to perform the same miracles that Jesus had. He saw the tears that he had caused turn to joy. He saw his slaves shaking off their chains and being made free. He saw his prisoners being set free. He saw God's nature enter the hearts of men and women. And the faith of God begin to operate so that others were snatched from his authority. He saw the fear and doubt that he had enthroned in men and women's heart being replaced by faith and love and freedom. He saw a new language of praise and communication. He saw men become kings. He had slain Jesus to annihilate him. Instead, his death had given birth to a new race. He saw them multiply so rapidly that he realized he must destroy them before they destroy him. He saw righteousness become a reality. Men actually being born again with a new father and a new Lord. That's what he saw. Believe it and live it out. That's why New Testament sinning is not so much what we do wrong. It's what we believe and don't believe. Unbelief is, a new, is really the New Testament yeah. sin. They didn't believe me. Yeah. Not by what they did. Because they, they didn't believe they condemned. Yeah. We make it a morality issue. Jesus never makes it a morality issue. Because yeah. when my heart changes... I do change. My yes. morality does change. Yes. But you've got to change the heart first. Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Amen. Alright, any questions? I spoke a long time and spat on people. And <laughs> Sorry. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question. Um, not been, um, not having traveled much, you said that spiritual warfare